Hello again, we're back and we're speaking on Jude, our 14th talk on Jude. But this last week has been a historic week in the life of the United States of America and probably the whole world. The Obamas have moved out of the White House and the Trumps have moved in. Over the past few months we've seen the demise of the Obama era in government and the conveyance or transfer of the presidency and title by will. In this case by the will of the people after an amazing election campaign. The world looks on as this new man takes over. It was interesting that when George Washington apparently took the oath of office as the country's first president in 1789, he placed his hand upon a Bible while speaking those solemn 35 words required by the Constitution beginning a tradition that was to come to define the pomp and circumstance of the inauguration day. And though the act of swearing upon a Bible held significance, the particular book he chose did not. It was, historians say, an afterthought. Organisers had simply forgotten to bring one, so they grabbed the closest holy book they could find, a nearby Masonic Lodge's altar book, the Bible, and Washington made his promise on that particular Bible. But in the two centuries since then, the act of choosing an inaugural Bible or Bibles, has become far more symbolic, perhaps. Just a couple of interesting things. Franklin Delano Roosevelt used his family's Bible, written in Dutch and printed in 1686. John F. Kennedy, the first Roman Catholic elected to the White House, chose a a Dewey version, and that is the uh, a version produced by the Roman Catholic Church. And when his second inauguration fell on Martin Luther King's Junior Day, President Obama chose to lay his hand upon a book of Holy Scripture that belonged to the civil rights leader. The story behind the Bible adds dignity, seriousness and solemnity. And it also, as one commentator says, it gives them something to talk about. What particular Bible was being used? Last Wednesday, President-elect Donald Trump announced his choices. A Bible his mother gifted him in 1955 when he graduated from a Presbyterian Sunday school 
and also the one, the Bible that Abraham Lincoln used at his inauguration, two Bibles Trump used. You know, we should all pray for this man and all world leaders that they will read the Bible. In Trump's case, read his mother's Bible and come face to face with the author. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, verse 2. These men need to trust in God, as it says on their dollar bill. Now let's turn to Jude. We saw that when Jude had finished telling us of the false leaders, he then set out four principles, simple, short principles, for us to follow in order to get through this wilderness in which we live. These are in verses 20 and 21. Verse 20. Be ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So today we come to the one in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How do we keep ourselves? In the love of God. Now perhaps some may say, well, how can I possibly do this? Surely this is the job of our religious leaders, or even reverently, the work of God. I've come to him for salvation. I've been born again from above by the Spirit of God and saved for eternity through faith in the risen Saviour, our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to dwell with us forever, until the day when we arrive in glory, the day of our redemption. So how can I do any more? I've been saved because of the love of God. John three sixteen and 17, these lovely verses which we constantly repeat. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Paul says in Romans 8 verses 35 to 39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus so what he's saying is nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus last week we read that lovely hymn i found a friend oh such a friend he loved me ere i knew him he drew me with the cords of love and thus he bound me to him and round my heart still closely twine those ties which naught can sever for i am his and he is mine forever and forever the second verse ends on the same note not that i own not that i have my own i call i hold it for the giver my heart my strength my life my all are his and his forever and the last verse shall life or death or earth or hell no i am his forever so having said all that how do i keep myself in the love of god we have to build ourselves up in the faith and continue in fervent prayer in the holy spirit that's what we spoke about last week our lives must be one of total faith and trust I can understand that this is something we must learn to do. We all love to sing these old hymns, but the walking in the way those hymns speak is so much more difficult. Down in the valley with my Saviour I would go, where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow everywhere he leads me i would follow follow on walking in his footsteps till the crown be won down in the valley with my savior i would go where the storms are sweeping and the dark waters flow with his hand to lead me i will never never fear Danger cannot fright me if my Lord is near. Down in the valley or upon the mountain steep, 
Close beside my Saviour would my soul ever keep. He will lead me safely in the path that he has trod, up to where they gather on the hills of God. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus, anywhere, everywhere, I would follow on. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus, everywhere he leads me, I would follow on. We need to walk and follow close to our Saviour. So how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? We must study God's Word. But study without having a practical result is just study. Otherwise, it is futile. Here's a comment by a man called Kelly, written many years ago. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Here Jude is looking at the practical result of following and trying to keep ourselves in the love of God. How could we keep ourselves in anything better? Was there ever anything higher than the keeping ourselves in the love of God? Love is of God, and we are to keep ourselves in it. Instead of being provoked by the evil things around us, instead of yielding because of others yielding, standing out for God, these necessarily suppose great confidence in God and delight in what God's own nature is, the activity of his nature. Light is the moral character of God's nature. Love is the active character of God's nature. Light does not allow any impurity. Love goes out to bless others. We are called to keep ourselves, not merely in the light of God. We are there. We are brought there as Christians, but in the love of God. We are not meant to have that doubted. We are to keep ourselves fresh and simple and confident in his love. What Kelly is saying, we have to have utter faith and trust in God and his wonderful love. Our fellowship with our God is so important. The story Jesus told of the prodigal son, he'd spent his money and strayed away from his father's will and love. Even when he was in the far country wasting his life and his substance with wild and worldly company, his father still yearned for their fellowship to be restored. But we know that when he came to himself and started his journey back to his father, his father was watching for his return 
and ran to meet him and restored him. Way back in the Garden of Eden, God walked in the garden and called Adam. Where art thou? God wanted fellowship with Adam. The tabernacle was built in the wilderness. God said, build me a house. He wanted to have fellowship with his creatures in that tabernacle. And God still wants us to live in fellowship with him, in his love and in his grace. Turn to 1st John chapter 1 and verse 6 to 9. 1st John chapter 1 and verse 6. And note the number of times it says, if we say, if we say. So starting with verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come as a lost sinner, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. But as we go through life and walk through this dirty world, our feet get dirty. And we need to confess our sins daily. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 Peter 1 verse 22 1 Peter 1 verse 22 Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. By obeying the one who is the truth, Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. By obeying the one who is the truth, our souls have been purified through the Holy Spirit who now dwells with each one of us. And this is shown by our love for our Saviour and our fellow believers 
by a fervent, pure heart. If we walk in darkness and yet say we have no sin, beware then, it says in those verses there, the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. Make sure we have the one who is the, the way, the truth and the life leading us day by day. You know, there are many commands in the New Testament for Christians to keep. This seems to me sometimes Christians think that once they become Christians, that's it. They don't have to keep any commands. I'm not speaking of the Mosaic law of the Old Testament but rather commands which are there to help us grow in the faith. That faith which was once delivered and in which we are to grow as we have seen earlier in this epistle from Jude. 1 John 2, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. That's one of the commands. And an idol doesn't necessarily mean something carved and sitting up on a plinth. Anything which comes between you and your Saviour is an idol. Get rid. Get rid of the idols. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. Another command. Prove all things. Test all things. Don't accept everything everybody says. Test it in accordance with the word of God. And then hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Oh yes, we all agree that we must abstain from evil. But not only abstain from evil, but this command, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify, set you apart for his glory. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, totally, completely. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. First John chapter 5. 
and verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith in God. Total living by faith in God. It says, this is the victory that overcometh the world. Faith even our faith. You know there are some command, commandments. We just read a portion from First Timothy chapter 6. And I'm going to read a, a portion here from the, the Amplified Bible. We start at verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all evil. It is through this craving that some have been led astray and have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many mental acute pangs. But as for you, O man of God, free from all these things, Aim and pursue righteousness. That is, right standing with God and true goodness. Godliness, which is the loving fear of God and Christ-likeness. Faith, love, steadfastness and gentle-heartedness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned and confess the good confession of faith before many witnesses. In the presence of God, who preserves alive all living things, and Christ Jesus who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I solemnly charge you to keep all his precepts unsullied and flawless, irreproachable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One which will be shown forth in his own proper time by the blessed only sovereign king of kings and the lord of lords who alone has immortality in the sense of exemption from every kind of death and lives in unapproachable light whom no man has ever seen 
or can see. Unto him be honour and everlasting power and dominion. Amen. So be it. Then he goes on. Paul speaking to Timothy and those around. As for the rich in the world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others. Not to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Charge them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be liberal and generous-hearted, ready to share with others. In this way, laying up for themselves the riches that endure forever, a good foundation for the future, so that they may grasp that which is life indeed. O Timothy, guard and keep the deposit entrusted to you. Turn away from the irreverent babble and godless chatter with the vain and empty and worldly phrases and the subtleties and the contradictions in what is falsely called knowledge and spiritual illumination. For by making such profession, some have erred, missed the mark as regards the faith. Grace, divine favour and blessing be with you all. Amen.